This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Jacob Emerson. Jacob covers payer issues and insurance issues at Becker's Healthcare and does a better job of it than anybody I know in the country. Jacob, what are we seeing on the payer side currently? What's going on in that world? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, Good to talk to you again. Um, So two things that I thought we could talk about today, we're seeing health systems, uh, a few of them in the first few months of the year, sell their health insurance subsidiaries. And this is a trend that we saw occur last year as well. It's a difficult business to operate in. So uh, we're seeing a few systems make moves in that direction. And then I thought we could also talk about some pieces of an interview I had recently with a former CMS administrator, Dr. Don Berwick. I sat down with him to um, talk about Medicare Advantage. And we also recorded a podcast together for for Beckers. And so I encourage any listeners listening today uh, to take a listen to that. We did publish that this week. Um, so some really interesting insights from him on the on the state of the Medicare Advantage program. And so I'm not sure which one to tackle first because they're both such interesting issues. Don Burroughs, one of the brightest people in the healthcare world uh, and a brilliant, thoughtful person. Why don't you give us a couple insights from the discussion with Don Berwick? And then let's talk about the payer issue, health systems getting in and out of the payer market, you know, owning and then not owning insurance plans. It, it, it seems like there's ones that are in it forever. Carl Clinic, Sanford, some others. Uh, there's others that sort of jump in and out of it. And, and usually with not good results. But talk to us about what you're seeing in both those areas, Don Berwick and then the payers. And I'll put myself on mute for a second while you talk, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with, with Dr. Berwick, um, and for anybody who might not be familiar who's listening, and he was CMS administrator during the Obama administration, and he is currently a health policy lecturer at Harvard Medical School. And so we, we discussed um, the current state of the Medicare Advantage program in 2024. It's now the dominant form of Medicare in the U.S., and it has a projected 54% share by the end of this year, which would be more than 33 million people around the country enrolled. Um, But at the same time, there's new estimates as of last, well, January, um, from MedPAC saying that Medicare Advantage plans will drive an additional $88 billion in payments to the program this year compared to what traditional Medicare would have received for the same services. So basically, I asked him, what are his broad thoughts, given those those two facts on the state of Medicare Advantage as we start off this year? And he said, you know, I think that the original ancestral idea of MA was fantastic to um, lower costs to find better health outcomes. But he, he said now, um, you know, 15, 20 years later, uh, quotes, in my opinion, it did not fulfill its original promise of saving money. And he's thoroughly convinced that apples to apples, uh, Medicare Advantage plans cost the taxpayer, the Medicare trust fund and beneficiaries much more than traditional Medicare does. And so I asked him, you know, what changes would you like to see CMS make to the program? What do you think the program is doing well? Um, and essentially, he, he wants to see the upcoding issues fixed um, by CMS, um, where essentially where uh, Medicare Advantage plans um, put higher diagnoses uh, into a patient's medical chart to receive higher reimbursements from the federal government, um, even if those diagnoses don't match what is happening with the patient on the ground. Um, and CMS is taking steps in those directions, and, and Dr. Berwick uh, said that that he applauds them for doing so. Um, they, you know, there's there's new reimbursement changes going into effect this year and in the years to come. 
Um, CMS is auditing a lot harder on MA plans now, and they're also seeking public feedback on how data collection and transparency efforts around the program can be improved. And that, that, that request for comment is open as we speak, Scott. When these big payers get so good at working the system, isn't it almost a given that they're going to win and we're going to lose? And isn't that what's happened with Medicare Advantage? You know, it's expected to be save Medicare money. It turns out, I think the fact the state gave us was $80 billion more this year than expected than traditional Medicare. Isn't that just so expected, really, at the end of the day? It comes out with a good idea. We're going we're gonna to manage care and so forth. Turns yeah. out the consumers aren't as happy because managed care means sometimes not giving care or, or more pre-authorization rules. The payers learn how to game the system to make more money from it, and, and it turns out just to be a cluster. I'm surprised that Don Baruch didn't say we should just get rid of the program because it's actually auditing well. <laughs> and playing catch-up to the plans. That's brutal. Playing yeah. audit and catch-up to the plans are so much more sophisticated than the government is. Yeah. Seems like a brutal way to try and play the game. You're, I mean, you're, you're predicting exactly what I was going to say, Scott. He did actually say that by the end. I asked him, you know, what do you want the future of Medicare as a whole to look like? And does he think that all seniors will eventually have no choice but Medicare Advantage? And it is what he said, what you just said. He's, he, quote, I would like to see Medicare Advantage slowed or stopped right now, or at least forced to have better carriers. Um, so he did say that, that he would like to see the program um, slowed down in its current form. He wants to see the traditional Medicare um, benefits enhanced to be more on par with Medicare Advantage so that they can equally compete. Um, and I also asked him, you know, where, where does he think Medicare Advantage is succeeding right now? And he said, there are certainly plans that are honoring the original DIA idea of coordinating care and eschewing profiteering as their business model. But then he said, quote, unfortunately, these are the minority of plans. The opportunity for profiteering is so great that if an MA plan wishes to behave properly and really does coordinate care and does not withhold it or delay coverage for it, that that would probably be regarded as naive in the business world. So he's really, he basically said exactly what you just said, Scott. Just fascinating, the power of the lobby and so forth. Because there's a whole fascinating story to this, too. Trump was very positive Medicare Advantage. Biden came in very negative about it. The insurance companies used the lobbying power, got closer with Biden. And also Biden turned on the switch to be very positive Medicare Advantage. And, and what a cluster this has become. It's one of the all-time clusters that we're watching in, in, in roll. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Talk about the second issue you had teed up, which is this issue of um, hospital-owned insurance plans getting out of that business. Talk a little bit about that and what you're seeing there, because it seems like to be a regular cycle over the last 20 years, but but going again, where hospitals get into this business, they have to be in this business, they find the hard business, they get out of this business. Talk a bit about what you're seeing there. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I should preface by saying, I think you have a much uh, better perspective on this, Scott, given your, your history in, in the industry and seeing uh, how it's ebbed and flowed with different systems operating health insurance subsidiaries. But just in the first few weeks of this year, we've seen two health systems announce plans to sell their insurance subsidiaries. Uh, Bay State Health, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts, is selling their subsidiary to Point32 Health, which is an insurer that owns, or a parent company that owns Tufts Health Plan and then Harvard Pilgrim Health Plan. And then ProMedica out of Toledo, Ohio, they're also selling their subsidiary Paramount Health to Medical Mutual of Ohio, which is insure with over a million members. Um, 
And I think it's important to note that these are really small subsidiaries that are being sold. So Bay State is selling about 180,000 members, and then Paramount uh, from Prometica is selling off about 77,000 members. And that's pretty in line with a lot of health system-owned health plans. They're generally on the smaller side, especially compared to you know the larger, the largest insurers in the country. They're generally pretty small. They're almost always under a million members, uh, but usually even smaller than that. We're talking in the low hundreds of thousands. And this isn't, as you mentioned, this is not a trend from just this year. Back in November, Ascension Wisconsin finalized a deal to sell its stake of network health um, to Freighter. And Network Health offers health plans um, across Wisconsin. And then we saw a Medicare Advantage plan subsidiary um, from Mary Washington Healthcare, which is out of Virginia. They shut down their Medicare Advantage plan, though it did only have about 3,000 or so members. And so when we've talked to experts about this issue in general, um, a lot of systems, I think, like to have their own insurance subsidiaries to, to get further upstream to, to the payer source of reimbursement. Um, but I, I think it's just, it can be very difficult to complement what are two very different businesses. And then the other thing is that a lot of health systems really operate almost entirely in the Medicare Advantage space. And that's a very difficult business to operate in uh, financially, as we've seen even the largest carriers show in, in the, you know, the past quarter with Humana, for example, reporting $500 million in losses just in one quarter. And they obviously operate predominantly in Medicare Advantage. So I think that's probably where a lot of this is stemming from, just that it's it's a very, insurance is a very difficult business to be successful in. And um, I think some of these health systems are, uh, I think this trend is suggesting that for us. It's, it's fascinating. There's, and there's multiple different business healthcare lessons there. One is what somebody calls stroke of the pen risk, which is the stroke of the pen here is Medicare Advantage changes a little bit. People got into Medicare Advantage because for a couple of years, people were making so much money in, in, in that. So smaller systems chase that. And then very quickly, that business changed in the wrong direction, and they're stuck with that to their business. That's one thing. Second is always have to be in business when you're competing against other players that have so much greater scale and where you've not made it your core business. So for some of these hospital systems, they get into the insurance business, but they haven't really built out a full insurance team like you have at a big payer, and they have nowhere near the scale that they're competing against. So it becomes a very hard business to compete in. And it's also not a, it's not a small catch business. It's not a business that you could really run on small capital. So so, so many great lessons here. And, and I, I will point out, uh, when Jacob says, Scott, you've seen a lot more of this than I have, you know, I will point out what he means is, is, that, is that I'm a lot older and, and getting ancient. He doesn't mean that in a positive way, just for our audience's <laughs> understanding. Now, I say that somewhat jokingly, but, but, but maybe with age, there's, there's wisdom, which there's not much, not, at least certainly no more than yours. But, but no, we have seen this over the course of years. Hospitals get in and out of being an insurance business, and it's a hard business. And if you're going to do it, you got to really choose to stay in it. And it's no business for a small system to be in, uh, unless you really own your geographic area. But even then, it's very hard because the scalability required to do this right is significant. Jacob, as always, thank you for joining us in the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always great to visit with you. You too. Thanks, Scott. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched My BHC. 
It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.